The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transformed their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And our guest today is, he is a technologist, an entrepreneur, an inventor, and he was the founding CTO of Priceline. Dot com, which is the name your own price company that you've all heard about. It was, which you may not know, one of only a handful of startups in U.S. history to reach a billion dollars in annual sales in less than 24 months. And as chief technology officer, he was responsible for building that technology that enabled Priceline's hyper growth. Most recently, and the capacity in which I heard Scott speak, is that he was named CEO and board member of the Startup America Partnership, where he spends his time driving American entrepreneurship to create jobs and sustain our nation's global leadership. So welcome to the show today, Scott. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about Startup America first. What We've heard a lot about Startup America. Probably most of my audience has heard either a lot or at least aware of it. Tell us what Startup America is. What What is it charged with doing? Well, Startup America has a very, very simple premise, and that is that it's the startup economy that drives the American economy and that uh, it's time for us to step up our game. Uh, in particular, the rest of the world is starting to figure out this whole entrepreneurship game, and um, it's time now for America to really focus on what is kind of a core asset, um, the creation of, of new young companies that, that drive the creation of new markets, um, and are disruptive. And the the, the facts underlying the, the, the key premise here is that all the net new jobs created in the last 30 years were created by companies less than five years old. So there's these young, high-growth companies that really lead the economy forward. And it's the founders and the teams that build those companies that really set the bar. And so Startup America is really focused on um, three key strategies to, to helping uh, these young companies succeed. The first is, yeah. first is bringing startups um, uh, together with some of the largest corporations uh, in America and, and in the world, um, both as strategic partners, as uh, potential customers, as domain experts, and, and really tactically uh, providing in-kind services to help startups grow. So companies like American Airlines, American Express, Dell, Microsoft, Intuit, and even the New York Stock Exchange have stepped up in a big way to provide very direct services and relationships to help companies grow. In fact, over 90 companies are already partners of Startup America, bringing $1.5 billion in in-kind services and resources to help companies grow. Second, that's phenomenal. Well, before you get into the second yeah. one, that, that's really phenomenal because how long has Startup America been in existence? Maybe 18 months? approximately two years? The Startup America was announced on January 31st, 2011. So we're a little bit more than a year old. And, um, and so we focused a lot of our time early on on circling up those key partners that really understood the power of the startup economy and, and wanted to contribute in a meaningful way. 
Right. So all so gathering those partners and all the contributions that you just mentioned in an 18-month period, and they're already starting to have an impact, which I know you'll talk about a little bit later. That's pretty phenomenal. So just wanted to point that out, that this hasn't been over a, a multi-year time frame. This is just in the last 18 months that that's happened. So, um, And I interrupted you. You're about to make your second point. Well, we view ourselves as a startup for startups. So if you don't move fast and make something happen, um, you probably should go away. Uh, so the second big thing that we focused on is that we knew that there were um, amazing startups happening all across the country and that we needed to both elevate them uh, and and give them voice. But we also knew that if we were going to have a strong national startup economy, it was important to have strong regional uh, startup economies. And the key to that is centering on the startups themselves uh, and particularly um, successful founders who live in places all across the country like Florida and Texas and Colorado and uh, Iowa, um, just to name a few. Mm -hmm. And what they have done is partnered with us to create um, startup ecosystems and startup regions in each of these places where they're really focused on amplifying the startup communities that are there. And so there are now over 20 different startup regions, including Startup Florida, Startup Tennessee, Startup Iowa, Startup Colorado, Startup Indiana, uh, most recently Startup Kentucky. Uh, and they're all focused on building that their regional ecosystem and helping the startups that are in those places both connect with each other and to the, to the broader national community. And that brings right. me to my third kind of element, which is really the heart of everything. And that is that startups drive everything. And the, and the challenge with, with uh, the current startup community in the United States is that it's very disconnected. It's hyper-connected in places like Silicon Valley, in Boston, in New York, but in the rest of the country, it's a little disjointed. And so we've had for the first time a national community of startups where startups from anywhere in the United States can connect with any other startup in the United States, both work together, find collective opportunities, communicate, uh, and, and most importantly, get access to both peer mentoring and problem solving where you know, it can be a lonely task starting a company, mm-hmm. but also we bring access to experts. So we've connected that community of startups with a community of experts where we host a daily learning series where we have some of the top venture capitalists in the, in the country um, accessible to startups. We have some of the top uh, executives in large companies um, who have great dom- domain expert available expertise available to uh, to startups. We have pitch coaching every week where uh, you can refine your pitch and your communications around your business. Um, we bring experts from accounting and legal services and intellectual property to the table. Um, all some of the best and the brightest in the whole country together to help startups get access to them. So that if you're in a market, maybe in Kansas City, where you don't have the access necessarily to an expert that's in Tennessee and let's say the healthcare space, We've created mechanisms to have you be able to get access to those people, and that's well, really and that's, the heart. Yeah, Go ahead. and that's my that's my question. When you say we've created the mechanisms to provide that access, when you're talking about those mechanisms, is it a combination of web-based and live? Uh, you know, in the regions where there is a startup America um, regional program going on? Are there some live events? Do you combine that with web-based events? How, how does that work? Yes. So when you're a startup, you join Startup America, it's really easy. You can simply visit s as in startup.co, that's s.co uh, slash join. And the first thing you do is you join online. 
Um, that gives you access to a whole series of virtual connections, um, some that are um, that are asynchronous, so it's just a lot of uh, resources, data, the deals that we have with the partners are all accessible online. Then we have live recorded events um, where we do them daily, which are our learning series. And then the regions all host, uh, sometimes it's weekly, sometimes it's monthly, uh, startup events, sometimes it's, there are existing events uh, that now are visible uh, because of the, the startup, let's say Startup DC or Startup Virginia or Startup Vermont have all highlighted key things that are focused on startups. And then we do national, some national live events where we partner with uh, existing conferences that have either a concentration or a focus um, on startups. So we've partnered with the Consumer Electronics Show, which has uh, started a focus on startups. We've partnered with uh, South by Southwest, and they actually got more organized around the startup community that attends South by Southwest. Uh, we're partnering with CGI America in June. We're partnering with um, uh, a, you know, a number of these kinds of conferences around the country on a national basis to bring startups together. And I, I think the key thing, and, and for those of your listeners, the way we define startups is, is really important. What, what we're well, focused, you're, yeah, yeah, you're walking right into my next question because I keep hearing the word startup, and a lot of the people who are listening today are small business owners, but I know you make an important distinction between a startup and a small business owner, and I don't know that everybody understands that distinction. So if you would go there, that would be great. For us, when we focus on startups, we're focusing on a class of company that is both young, new businesses, again, created in typically less than five years old, with a, a, a very clear focus on growth. Mm-hmm. And their, their growth is driven by top-line growth, they want to be profitable. They tend to be. They tend to constantly be investing in in the business. So the absolute profitability is is actually limited. They're they're focused on on growing the top line, capturing market share, growing their business is the priority, and getting to scale. And they they tend to be led by founders who have this kind of growth orientation and this this kind of mentality towards um, sort of building something. And and they they often. They may start off with two or three people. Um, they may start off with no revenue, but they view themselves as as big. They view themselves as attacking a big market and playing offense. And um, that's not to say that's just a different category. Uh, and so there, we focus in this country on large companies and small businesses, but there's this class of companies that are these startups that actually start off small and they end up big. And some of them start off small and the companies go away, but the founders try again. And it's right. just a very different kind of mindset. And then, then a lot of small business owners who have um, a, a, what I think of as a, as a really important criteria, which is an owner mentality, which is creating income for themselves and their family and their employees, um, that's driven towards profitability um, and profitable, profit growth um, and may not be going after the growth. And sometimes there's growth limited. You know, they're, they're, the, the types of business or the enterprises that they're in um, – that their objective is not to be, you know, to own the most restaurants in a given city or to um, to scale their business uh, on a national or international basis. And right. they're important drivers of the economy, but what we're focused on in Startup America is this, this leading-edge startup economy. How important is uh, a term you mentioned very early on in this conversation? You said you use the term disruptive. How important is being disruptive to the success of these startups? How, how important is it? Because a lot of traditional small businesses, you mentioned restaurants, 
okay, they may have a slightly different menu than the restaurant down the street or something like that, but that's not disruptive. Uh, how important is being disruptive or even revolutionary uh, to the startup? My observation is that, that is that startups tend to uh, tend to do uh, a, a few things. One is disrupt existing markets, um, either reimagining them, reinventing them, applying technologies or techniques or processes that radically change the marketplace forever. So, the uh, and some of those are, are technology led, but they, they come from the same sort of a mindset. Uh, and so, if you look at the major industries that have been upended. Um, uh, the travel industry, in my case, uh, my experience at Priceline, really a lot of what happened with applying digital technologies and then several startups really changed the way that the industry um, functioned in some fundamental ways, created whole new product categories, created new ways that that uh, consumers interact with travel. Um, when you look at – so that's one category. And then the other is whole new market categories. So if you look at a, at, at a company like Pinterest, for example, which has been in the news right. a lot lately – they've applied technologies and, and been thinking about sort of old problems in new ways and really are beginning to create what could be a whole new market category. And if I take it down to restaurants, the whole food truck movement is a pretty, a pretty interesting example of kind of upending people's interfaces and access to food and right. reimagining really what, what amounts to gourmet, um, highly niche uh, food experiences for people. And those that are riding that wave and, and franchising and expanding their businesses around that, that's an example within an existing industry of disruption. So my, my observation is, is, that, is that startups tend to either create new markets or disrupt existing markets in a meaningful way, and they have an orientation towards scale. It's not enough for them to have one food truck in the city. They want five. It's not enough to have five in that city. They want to be in ten cities. It's not enough for them to be in ten cities. It's for them to think of you know, how could – it, you could take the whole enterprise to the next level. It's just a mindset as much as it is anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and now along with this phenomenal growth that they have their mindset on, uh, some of them are going to make it. Some of them are going to succeed wildly, and they will be our next Facebooks. They will be our next Hewlett Packards. I mean, go down the list. But some are going to fail miserably as well. However, uh, Part, part of that mindset is you just go on to the next thing and you learn from whatever that caused that failure. And so talk a little bit about failure uh, to our audience and, and how important that is actually that, that that's not necessarily a loss that you failed. A business that has to close down is, a, is really a learning opportunity. Um, and founders recognize that that you may get to a place where the business has to be shut down for whatever reasons. could be that you managed it badly. could be your idea was a bad idea. could be that you had the wrong partners. could be a whole wide range of reasons why your business, the context was there, the environment changed. So all kinds of things that cause the business itself to fail. But the founders go on, and they bring that knowledge, that experience, that capabilities to their next adventure, to the next thing that they go to do. And founders that keep at it, that – uh, twist their their ideas, shape their businesses. Uh, they tend to find success. And yes, it's nice to have um, you know freakishly large companies like a Facebook or an in, or an Instagram. Facebook just mm -hmm. bought, um, or, or companies like uh, an Angie's List uh, that just went public last fall. 
Those wild successes are great. But the growth that we're talking about, think of it as sort of 20% year over year where you've doubled your business in a four-year period. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going from five people to 50,000 people. It may mean that you're going five people to 100 people over a five-year period, but you're oriented towards growth. And so whether you, you succeed or fail, the breadth and the ambition of your success is orientation towards growth and that if you do have to shut, the, shut a business down or wind a business down, you tend to learn a lot from that experience and then you take to apply that to the next opportunity. And that next opportunity, maybe it's not yours. Maybe you're not a founder. Maybe you become a co-founder. Maybe you are part of a founding team. Um, I often find young people who are in their 20s, maybe just coming out of college or in college, and they may be oriented towards starting a company, but if they're not totally committed or totally sure that they're ready to step out, joining an existing founding team can often be the right thing to do because you learn a lot in that experience. Again, the company may fail, uh, but the opportunities and the learning goes on. Right. So let's let's talk about Startup America and its its success and where what, what the future holds for it. Is Startup America something that you see living on for a long time? Is it here to uh, for a, a certain amount of time to get, to shed you know to to create this ecosystem or to to bring this ecosystem together? Tell, tell us about what the future holds for Startup America. We started this a little more than a year ago focused on a three-year sprint to re-energize and really put a very, very fine point on this special class of company that are these high-growth startups that have the, the ambition and the attitude to, to really drive their own business forward and to do it across the whole country, to view our national startup economy as a critical not only asset but the major driving force. Um, we are, as I mentioned, about a year into uh, the three-year project, and we've been really rewarded by the fact that there are dozens and dozens of uh, leaders around the country, these uh, regional champions who have stepped up and said, you know, this is great on a national basis. We want to contribute by making sure that Indiana is a great place to start and grow a company. Tennessee is a great place to start and grow a company. Iowa is a great part, place to start and grow a company. Kansas, Missouri, Colorado, et cetera, are great places to start and grow companies all across the country. And it, it's really now involves tens of thousands of people who recognize the power of startups across the whole country. And I think the, the momentum will continue to carry the notion of Startup America forward for, for the time to come. As it relates to the specific team that we've assembled for the project here, um, mm -hmm. you know, we're still working through what's next and how, how that transitions, but we are sprinting through January uh, 2014 as our third year anniversary and really focused on all the things we can do to help uh, startups in the United States uh, grow faster and be more successful. Yeah, I think what I was struck by when I heard you speak at Kaufman was uh, you made a real important distinction about wanting to create something that was more of a movement, and that's what you just described with these tens of thousands of people and all the partners, rather than creating an institution. And I thought that was really key, uh, that that's a key difference. And, and uh you know whether whether Startup America exists. If you've been able to create this movement, then the the spirit will carry on and, and the work will carry on in others, as opposed to there needing to be this foundation or huge building somewhere that all of you operate out of. That that it's the mindset that carries forward. So I thought that was really important. One of the other things uh, you mentioned that I think startled a lot of people startled a lot of people in the room. You uh, were asked. 
where would you invest? What kinds of companies are the best bet right now? What industries that we may not even have on our radar screen would be the best places for investments? And you, uh, what startled people was that you uh, said that you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily put uh, money on a certain industry, that we're in this area now that you refer to as primordial soup. And could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think that the key thing from Startup America's perspective and, and I guess kind of my personal perspective at this point is that uh, if we're going to be successful as a country, we need to create the right environment and, and, and have a strong startup community, culture, and sensibility because uh, industries change, opportunities uh, change, the environment changes, the economy changes, all kinds of things that we don't control. What we can do is to make sure that the best and the brightest minds and the people who want to create the next new market or disrupt the new market um, are connected with each other, connected to resources and assets and ideas and, and have access to help them accelerate the development of their ideas into businesses and those businesses into successful enterprises. And the, the, the trick from, from my perspective to avoid is trying to pick an industry sector or even a company within an industry sector to focus on as what we need is more of companies like X. What we need are more, are more, are more successful founders, we need more visibility to set to, so that young people can see examples of people who have created great success um, and defined in their own way and, and have the right sort of ambition and attitude. And so my reference to pr the primordial soup is um, we don't know which of these types of industries, which companies, which sectors are going to emerge as the next, to take the analogy too far in some ways, uh, the next large land animals that might right. emerge out of that soup or the ones that are just going to stay as sort of interesting single-cell organisms that may or may not form into something more. But since we can't predict that, the best thing that we can do is to optimize the chance of success within that soup and make sure that there's lots of opportunities within that. And so that's really what we're trying to drive towards is this special class of company, these startups, if we can really focus energy on uh, where, where they are, how to connect them to each other, how to create strong communities around them, um, I think we'll have long-term uh, economic success. And, and the beauty, and it's both here in the United States, but it's also global, the beauty of focusing on the startup economy is that it's not a zero-sum game. Yes. Kansas can win and Missouri can win. There doesn't, there's, not a, there's not a scarcity of, of assets. There's an abundance of them. There's an abundance of opportunity because we can always continue to create new. And that's a huge opportunity for each of the states and the regions around our country, but it's also true for our country vis-a-vis -vis the rest of the world. You know, America can win and uh, Europe can win. If you focus on the, the constant reinvention uh, and, and uh, this driving of the startup economy, uh, forward. Right. You know, one of the other things that emerged from your talk, and it had to do with the, the Google Fiber conversation, the latter part of your talk, uh, somebody was, talk, it was asking about capital, and he, again, surprising a few people in the audience, you said, you know, capital isn't necessarily the most important thing. Visibility is. And obviously, you have described a lot of different things, partnerships, accessibility to mentors, a number of and other entrepreneurs, other startup entrepreneurs. All of these things uh, help, uh, help to define the visibility you're talking about. But you, you mentioned one thing in particular, and that was 
you are working with municipalities and with other um, organizations that have large public facilities within cities to persuade them to showcase some of the technologies and the products that these startups are putting, you know, are working on because when people pass through every day, they see them, it brings a visibility, and, and the capital will follow. And I thought that was an interesting way to look at it. Well, so there's a couple of things. I, I think uh, you, you made two really important points. So the first is, is that when we look at capital, um, you, you really have to do a lot of other things well to be to be attractive to capital. And I think the the greatest deficit I see among startups is uh, they tend to be really strong in product development. They tend to, to do an okay job on their customer development, the notion of, of understanding who their customers are and making sure that they validated their product against the customers. And then the piece that they're almost always weak on is the network development, developing a set of relationships around the business that are not in the business but that are around the business that can be helpful and it's not only around the business but it's around themselves as individuals building that network and investing time and energy to develop it is really key and so that's that's sort of a core component if you have those elements you're much more likely to be able to attract capital you're much more likely to be funded and, and get investment um, so that's that's sort of core to to the overall success um, I, I used San Jose as an illustration it's not something that startup America is pushing necessarily but it is something that uh, I think is really clever that is a way of using the municipal infrastructure to allow startups to demonstrate their innovations um, in an environment that has a lot of traffic and a lot of visibility. And, uh, and so San Jose, the city of San Jose has really been pioneering that for, for quite some time. Uh, and it's, it's a low-cost opportunity. In the, in the context of Kansas City, one of my suggestions was that there – that the city invest in or the, the community create a um, a, giga, uh, a gigabit lab yeah. where innovations could happen and before before the fibers even laid to be able to start to produce the the opportunities and in fact get some early homes um, to agree to be kind of early customers right and have almost a, a parade of homes just like you have. Uh, the parade of homes in the spring, just because they're nice-looking homes. You're talking about these people who will open up their uh, homes so that people can come in and see uh, these innovations. Right? Well, see them or, or just be able to use them so that, yeah, you know, exactly. if you've got some new monitoring tool, you need 100 beta customers, okay, great. You know, let's, let's get the community fired up about participating with the startups. And, again, that's about creating a strong sort of startup cultural vibe um, right. in your community. Right. You have given us a lot to think about here today, Scott. If you were to leave our listeners with any one thought for driving their success, what would it be? As a startup, I guess there's two things. Take advantage mm -hmm. of the of the resources around you and things like Startup America. It's free to join Startup America, as I mentioned earlier. Simply visit www.s, as in startup.co, and uh, you can get access to this whole community across the country, access to... $1.5 billion in deals that can help you grow your company um, and access to a whole national community of startups and, and regions and experts that want to help you be more successful. And then the second thing is the way to strengthen our startup economy is actually in direct alignment with you, your own success, and that is create a strong network of relationships around you to help you 
um, grow your business. And, uh, and these are people that are not in your business. They're people that are around your business. And create those relationships. And the beauty of startups creating a strong network around them is that uh, net, very rarely do networks have nodes that are, are islands or dead ends. And so if every startup in America kind of built a much stronger network around them, we would have a strong national network, uh, a very high density, which would be behoove our collective success and the individual success of every startup. So join Startup America and build a strong network around you. Scott, thank you so much for your time today, and thank you so much for your work with Startup America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.